You're listening to episode 12 of Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich. Let's chat. Discover children at a whole new level. Be empowered to grow with the children in your life. Welcome to Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich. Hi there and welcome to episode 12 of Chat About Children where we chat about all things children and support and empower you to grow with the children in your life. Today we are chatting about protecting your child's eyes and I have joining me a very passionate optometrist, her name is Emma Richards, because certainly when it comes to eyes and vision, I know that we can very easily take it for granted and and often it isn't until an injury might occur that we really understand the value of our eyes and vision. And Emma is certainly a very proactive optometrist as you'll soon discover and in today's episode we're covering the most common reasons for eye injuries, what makes them happen in the first place and ways that we can prevent them when possible. We also look at what management looks like for an eye injury and also discuss the ideal scenario when it comes to protection for your child's vision. Emma also shares some valuable tips and strategies on having your child successfully cooperate when it comes to having them wear protective wear, such as sunglasses. So stay tuned and listen into all those valuable tips. So let's get the chat started. Joining me today is Emma Richards. Emma is a mum and a practicing optometrist. She lives on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland and she has completed further study in behavioural optometry and also has specific interest in children's vision such that she started Children's Safety Glasses, which is an online business that provides quality eye protection for children. With Children's Safety Glasses, Emma has sourced quality eye protection, including sporting, sun, swimming, and helping with DIY or building activities. Emma's primary motivation is to educate people about accidental eye damage and prevention, along with measures that can be taken to protect vision for life. Welcome to the show, Emma. Thanks for having me, Sonia. You're welcome. We're talking about a really, really important topic today, and that's protecting your child's eyes. And I think sometimes we just don't think about it enough. I don't anyway, personally. And sometimes I think we're too late to think about it or when something has happened. So I'm really interested to delve into this topic with you today. But before we do that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Emma, and why you wanted to be an optometrist to start with? Okay, well, optometry was my second degree. So when I did my first degree, I did a lot of anatomy and physiology. I really loved the eye and how it just works. And it's just, you know, it's so interesting how it's all connected to the brain and all the functioning functionality behind that. So, and also optometry at that time was one of the few professions that you had 100% employment and you could actually work part-time. And I thought, wow, this looks pretty good. I'll have to investigate further. And yeah, it's really interesting because you get to deal with people on a daily basis and everybody's different. So you can't just assume that everyone's eyes the same because it's just not. Yeah, absolutely. So when did you start moving into children? Was that right from the outset or did you develop an interest in that? I was always interested in behavioural optometry and the flow-on effects of that because obviously the benefits it has learning or it can have with learning. I was very interested in just people because, you know, obviously becoming a a mum and thinking of having children prior to becoming a mum, I obviously got more interested in children and so, yeah, their vision requirements and the impact that it has obviously can be lifelong. So 
it's really important that we do that our best by them. So that was sort of the driving force in that area. Yeah, it's just really precious vision. So I just believe that, you know, if we can give the kids the best start with seeing and protecting their eyes, we're setting them up for the best outcomes in the future. Absolutely. And you are very passionate about the area of, I guess, eye injury prevention in children. Was there something specific that happened that kind of sparked that whole area of interest for you? Or were you seeing lots of children that had eye injury and you thought, I've got to do something about this? Like, how did it all come about? Probably a mixture of all of the above. I mean, I've got children and I've got a boy and a girl and my son follows his father around like a puppy and my hubby's very handy and so I was trying to find eye protection for him and there just wasn't anything that was decent so that was one another one was I'd have children come in with chemical burns from not wearing goggles swimming or kids from kindy had had another kid poke them in the eye and they had abrasions on their cornea so it was just really a whole and I had parents asking for protection for their kids and they had the same problem they just couldn't source anything other than you know fairly ordinary products from China so it was a whole combination of different things that led me to developing that website just because when I researched into the area further I was really alarmed at how little regulation there is or how little education there is in this area mm-hmm. and it, it quite frightened me mm. because I just how are people supposed to take any measures if they don't know that these things are happening regularly unfortunately yes yes and you would see you're at the front line of seeing it so you would have a better idea than the average person until it happens to them or their child of course so that gives us like a good understanding of you know what drove you to then when you mentioned website the website you're referring to is the safety glasses website where you then moved into creating products that people could access and purchase and use for eye injury prevention so What is the most common eye injury that does occur in children? It varies depending on their age group. So if zero to five, it's falls. So they tend to fall and it's an impact injury. So it can be basically falling over and hitting their eye or their head around their eye socket on the corner of a coffee table, chairs and yeah, things like that falling over in the yard. It's just because their coordination isn't quite so good. Also in that age group, chemical burns and injuries because say they're in the laundry, the washing powder or something down on top of themselves. And unfortunately that can lead to fairly serious injuries. So yeah, it varies. So there's, and males versus females, the males are so much more likely to have injuries, probably because they are more physical. But as the age groups change, then their sporting injuries are much higher. And and it's just, it varies depending on the age group. But accidental eye injuries, and they can be so serious, unfortunately. Yeah, it's just quite scary. 
Yeah, it starts from there. So there's zero or birth to five, you've got more of those accidental injuries that are occurring around the house from falls and from chemicals. And so then once they're about six years upwards, it's more the sporting related. Does that kind of cover it? Yes and no. It's still more, most eye injuries in children happen I think it's 44 to 76%, so it's quite a big range, happen at home. So they could have been playing sport in the yard, they could have been helping with gardening, they could have been helping with building something, they could have just been watching and their parent didn't know when they were sawing something and, you know, a piece of timber flew in their eye. And animal injuries are actually quite high too. And of the animals, more likely dogs, unfortunately. So... People need to be aware they need to watch how their animals and children are interacting, not because it's intentional, it's just an accident, but these things do happen and unfortunately there can be really serious ramifications later on. Yeah. So how much can you prevent all the accidental stuff? Because it is an accident. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's true. You obviously can't prevent it all. But, I mean, if you're outside and you're wearing sunglasses which you know has the benefit of also protecting their eyes from uv which is cumulative damage to the eye you're preventing a lot of impact injuries from like branches if they're on the mower or pushing the mower and they're not necessarily looking where they're going or you know they're helping in the garden they're brushing past a cycad or something like that so wearing sunnies when you're outside if they're helping with home handy tasks wearing some sort of safety glasses would prevent a lot of the flying debris injuries. I mean, obviously we can't protect them against everything, but having changes made in your laundry or under your sink in the kitchen where you've got your chemicals, just making sure they're out of reach and they can't get a step and they're not going to be at, or it's a locked cupboard, so they can't pull things down on top of themselves. Yes. And just be aware of even... because. I think nearly all children go through that climbing phase where they just decide they're monkeys and inadvertently they'll pull things off bookcases and shelving and if we can try and be aware that these things can happen and not put something that could inadvertently hit them in the head in a relatively attractive place for them when they're being a monkey, which I know is nearly impossible, but if we could try, that would be wonderful. Yes, and it sounds like we just need to be more mindful of it because these injuries are just so common and frequent. So what do we do in the first instance of managing an eye injury? I mean, it might sound a bit first aid-like, but if we look at, you know, in the laundry situation, if we've got a child who has pulled down some laundry powder over themselves and we've got that chemical burn happening, what do we do? Okay, so... Flushing it out, I mean, that's the basic first aid is just keep the water flowing. And I mean, it has to flow for quite a long time. I mean, it also depends on the type of chemical. So if it's, say, ammonia, so that tends to be the worst because you can't feel it. It's burning still while you can't feel it. So you need to call ambulance and get them. They'll put them so saline bags are just flowing over their eyes because it has to keep going for such a long time. So in those sort of situations, if it's significant burn, they need to go to the hospital. But if it's just a flick of fairly 
something mild or say they've got some sand in their eye and you've flushed it and it's all out and they can't feel that it's gritty anymore, then that's fine. Just getting some normal lubricants, unpreserved are better and regularly lubricating the eye, the cornea will heal itself. But if they still feel like there's something in there, they need to see an optometrist. I mean, emergency wards in the hospitals do have slit lamps, but for something that's fairly minor, just go to your optometrist. They can evert the eyelid and actually make sure there's nothing still under there and prescribe medications, be it you know antibiotics or, or whatever, if it's necessary. Yes. Because the GPs don't tend to have that equipment and they tend to have to refer people from themselves to the optometrist, so not wasting time with that step. And, I mean, optometrists can refer as needed anyway. So if you need to go to a CNI specialist, we can generally get you in faster because we tend to know them. Yes. So that tends to Okay, so that's helpful to know. So really the port of call is you're flushing with water if it's something fairly minor you're calling an ambulance if it's something more significant, obviously, but you don't necessarily have to go to the family doctor. You can go directly to an optometrist and then go from there, basically. So that's kind of the sequence of steps. So, and then just for a general fall that might happen or an accident, obviously anything significant, you'd call your medical services, but otherwise you're just putting an ice pack or something like that on the area. It still needs to be reviewed because unfortunately, as most of us know when there's an impact it's not necessarily just the damage here it can be what's happened inside the eye yes. so yeah it could be an ice pack if it's a fairly minor injury but then later on go and see an optometrist they can dilate the pupil and make sure your retina is okay because unfortunately it's that energy from the impact gets referred somewhere and it can be the retina unfortunately okay can we miss that as parents can we miss that something else has gone on? Like, would there be other symptoms a child might have as well? Yes. Like a headache or like what other things would be going on that we'd be like, hmm, maybe something else has gone on there? Yeah. Well, say generally when there's damage to the retina, they'll see floaters, they'll see flashes. Or What's a floater? If it's a What's a floater? A floater is something just Because that sounds like something bomb very bomb different bomb. to me. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. <laughs> So in our vision, let's just make this clear for the listeners. It's, it's generally a black or a grey blob that tends to float across your vision and, and it moves in the vitreous fluid in the back of your eye. So that's why we call it a floater because it just moves across your vision. So And it moves when you move your eyes. So that flashes of light, which looks like sparkles that are going off inside your eye, particularly if they're happening in the daytime. Mm-hmm. No, it's not quite so dramatic, but during the daytime. And also a retinal detachment, you'll see a black curtain coming across your vision. And the thing is, kids, like most people, don't shut one eye. So they don't know these things are necessarily going on unless it's, you know, very obvious. Yes. So sometimes it's probably a good idea if they've had an injury in one eye, just cover the other eye and make sure their vision's still okay. Yeah. So they haven't noticed any changes there. And if they have, take them to see somebody because, okay. yeah, it's so not worth the risk. Cover the uninjured eye and ask them questions about whether they can see clearly or whether there's other things that they can see. So we're prompting them with questions, basically. Yeah, just in case. Okay. Oh, that's really handy. That's really good to know. So... 
All right, so we've covered some of the major kind of issues that occur and a little bit of the management, some of that first port of call management. What are, I mean, I don't want to scare everybody, but what are some long-term repercussions that might happen with some of these eye injuries or the more significant ones? Okay, so the study that was done in Western Australia looking at eye injuries in children this was paediatric ocular and anexia injury requiring hospitalisation because this is the only one that included the outside of the eye as well as, so the actual eyelids, as well as the eye itself. So 482 kids were admitted. Yep. And of that, and this is a bit scary, but seven of them had permanent damage in one eye. Yep. So, I mean, that's not a lot of kids, but these are children that will not see in that eye ever again. And some of them even lost their eye. So wow. that had to be taken out and replaced, which is really dramatic and really horrible. Mm. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, let's be quick to act and just check things out. And obviously we're, we've talked about some preventative measures, but how about we get into the preventative measures a little bit more now? Because I wonder, like, what is the ideal scenario when it does come to eye protection for children? You've mentioned wearing sunglasses whenever outside. So that's your ideal scenario. What else are some other, you know, ideal scenarios when it comes to eye protection? So I'd love kids to actually be wearing swimming goggles when they're swimming, particularly in pools that have chemicals, because unfortunately you know, chlorine is not great for your cornea. And so that's one thing. Also, sporting eye injuries are actually ridiculously high, particularly if it's a contact sport or it's using a ball or it's using a stick. So that's actually a lot of sports. Yeah. There's only really one sport that has proper, well, two, that have proper regulation regarding eye protection and eye safety when you're playing, and that's lacrosse. Mm-hmm. and squash and that's because of the actual size of the ball used and the likelihood of a blowout fracture if it actually hit because it fits in your eye socket so well mm. ouch <laughs> i'm just cringing yeah. at all of this yeah yeah i was gonna say you're pulling a good face <laughs> so they actually regulate it and they have to wear eye protection and the thing is you can play tennis and end up with a really significant eye injury but there's no real regulation. And it just boggles me that, okay, cricket, the ball's ridiculously hard, but how many of them are, other than when you're batting, are actually wearing any protection? Cricket actually has regulation about the size of the logo on the side of their sunglasses, and that's it. And oh, I'm wow. just like, it boggles me. New South Wales has brought in a regulation about prescription eye protection when you're playing soccer. Few of the states are following suit with that. Basketball, I think they have a little bit of regulation, but it's only for prescription. They haven't actually said across the board universally, we'd love you to actually wear eye protection. I mean, that's ideally, I would absolutely love that because then you're not getting the fingers, the elbows, the balls, the sticks. I mean, even at my school, someone got a hockey puck to the eye, and I'm just like, ouch. Yeah, no, not great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are preventative. I would love, yeah, and they're improving. So, I mean, some of the sporting goggles 
particularly comfortable to wear unless you put like a wind guard or something under it and then then they're much more comfortable because they've got the extra foamy bit because the sporting goggles have the the hard rubber to take the impact so that energy from something hitting you isn't actually hitting your eye which yes. you know, is the whole point I suppose so that's the sporting areas but then also when the kids are following us doing DIY or out in the garden or whatever as long as they're Oh, and Nerf guns. Nerf guns. Now, My household has a rule. Can you, can you just explain what they are for people that globally don't may not know, know what it is? Yeah. Oh, okay. They don't have little boys. <laughs> <laughs> so a Nerf bullet is like a foam bullet with a hard end. So a Nerf gun is a device that fires these projectiles. So it's like it has like you arm it by pulling this thing back. Sort of like, like a, a slingshot. Yeah. Like a slingshot, but in an actual plastic gun. Yes. Anyway, and so ch- my kids like shooting each other and there is rules that they're not allowed to do this without wearing safety glasses because yes. of the eye injuries that happen and the fact that these things actually come out at a fairly rapid rate and they can do some fairly serious damage. So, yeah, so anyone that's using Nerf guns, I'd love for them to wear eye protection it's just that I suppose it's it's as you said earlier it's really being mindful of what your kids are doing and are you thinking about their vision and doing your best to look after it because it's a gift being yeah. able to see is a gift and not everybody has that ability and so it's something that we just take for granted unless it's not working properly and unfortunately these most of these eye accidents are preventable that you know require hospitalization and can have lasting effects so if people can actually think about that a bit more i would be so happy (laughs) (laughs) i think many people would be so happy too so i think you know when i listen to all there's certainly things we need to think about in terms of environment so in the environmental modifications things we can do ourselves so yes putting on sunglasses as a way to have a barrier i guess putting on your goggles putting on other sporting i guess protection for our eyes so there's a few things we can do and look at And when working with children and having children myself, compliance can be a real challenge sometimes. And kids don't always understand the theory behind why you want them to do something. I mean, it's hard enough to get them to put a jumper on when it's freezing cold outside. So (laughs) what are some tricks or tips that you have that's going to help the compliance that we have or the motivation that a child's going to have in going, you know what? Yeah, I'm happy to wear my sunnies. Like what are some uh, tips you can offer? Okay. So what I would recommend is if people get their children wearing sunglasses from as soon as they're born, it's much easier in the long run because obviously they're just used to it. And as we all know, once kids are used to it, it's, it's much easier. I'd also, my kids know it's no hat, no sunglasses, no sunscreen, no play. So that's the spin on the kiddies, no hat, no sunscreen, no play. So we've just added sunglasses in as well. And I mean, it even with my kids and they know how much I get upset about this sort of thing. And I really, really find it. It's so important. They still forget sometimes. And had to explain to them, okay, you know, UV damage on your skin, you understand that that's 
leading to possibly leading to skin cancer. Well, unfortunately, it does bad things to your eyes as well. And it's cumulative damage exactly the same as is in your skin. So we need to put, because we can't put sunscreen on our eyeballs. So you have to put a barrier there. And as to sunglasses, I found that with my son was three and he went through two pairs of bolets in about half an hour because he just broke them. So I had to find sunglasses that were flexible, that, you know, if you lose them, there's some sort of warranty and stuff like that because kids are rough on stuff and they so, and they like bright colors and, you know, they want something that's comfortable. So for the little kids, like when my kids were babies, I used baby bands because they had a strap and it's adjustable and they stay there because as we all know, as soon as you put a hat or anything on your kid's head, they pull it off. Yeah. So I found, you know, you've got a strap on your hat and you've got a strap on your sunglasses. It's much easier to keep them on. But yeah, I think same with glasses for children. If you find something they like that meets Australian standards, that isn't junk from market that looks like they've just imported it from some strange country and it's just got stickers on that they've made from somewhere. As long as it meets Australian standards and the children actually like it, you've got a much better chance. Yeah, other than that, it's, I mean, my kids don't get to play outside, which they love doing, without their sunglasses. So I suppose it's that getting them in the habit of putting you know, sliding their sunglasses on, which I might add is actually one of the cancel councils. It's not just slip, slip, slap anymore. It's slip, slop, seek and slide. So seek, shade and slide sunglasses on. Oh, cool. Well, that's good to know. And again, for those out of Australia, that's a campaign that uh, the Cancer Council put together reminding us to put our sunscreen on every day. And now they're saying put the sunnies on as well and find some shade simply because we are in a country with a high rate of skin cancer. So, okay. So you've mentioned some really pertinent points there in terms of with compliance, get your children to really just see it as a normal part of a routine. So it becomes a very typical behavior that they follow up with and they just know that this is how we roll. If they're involved in choosing some sunglasses, that's going to be helpful. Um, They'll choose something they like you're obviously making sure that as a parent that they're, you know, have got the right, do we call it polarization in them? So the right strength in the lens, is that what we'd call it? Well, they have to meet Australian standards. So they have to be UV 400, which means they block UVA and UVB rays mm-hmm. and tinted to 80, 85%. Polarization is an extra treatment that sometimes they do to lenses that cuts glare, but some of the mirror coatings have, the same sort of effect anyway so okay yeah cool and making sure that they're durable and as I said I think I said have that strap at the back so there's some of the basics that are going to make a good pair of sunglasses and hopefully they don't get go through too many (laughs) in a short period of time so yeah no that's fantastic and they're really valuable and practical strategies that I think we all just we need to hear sometimes so that we're we can be 
effective in, in choosing things and not kind of getting frustrated. Oh, you know, I, I got this $5 pair and they've snapped in two minutes and then it takes you three months to go get another pair. So if we can get it right from the outset, we're going to have a better outcome. Yeah, that is fantastic. So it sounds like you've created and put together a range of safety glasses, Emma. So some of them fall under the sporting category. Tell us a little bit more about the range that you have available. Okay, so what I did was I initially started the website with just safety glasses and I used the really good brands, so Bollet and Uvex. So the Uvex is still made in Germany, which is great. And they actually have the ability, those safety glasses, to have a gasket and like a dust seal and a strap put on them. So they're pretty cool. Anyway, so when I was setting that website up, as I mentioned previously, I did a lot more research in this area and it just sort of ballooned into, well, I can't just do that. I really need to find good sporting eye protection. So I've got a, a few different brands of sporting frames or sporting goggles. And I mean, I use them for my kids. So I know that say the pro gear I got, it's so much more comfortable with the sponge gasket. Like my daughter initially complained it was a little bit uncomfortable. So then we tried putting extra padding with the gasket and it's so much more comfortable. And she was the only kid in her netball team wearing eye protection and she did not, and they were white. So they were right out there and she did not ever sort of falter. I was really proud because I thought, Wow, it's a hard thing to do to be a kid where you don't need prescription, that you're wearing eye protection just because you know it's important to mum and she's explained to you why it's important. So then there's that's the sporting. And then for the swimming goggle, this wasn't a child, but this was a patient, an adult, who came in week after week with subconjunctival hemorrhages. He came in one morning, this was I think the third week in a row, and I said, have you been swimming this morning? And he said, yes. And I said, wow, your goggles are sitting in your eye socket, aren't they? And so every time he pulled his goggles off, he was actually (laughs) breaking a little blood vessel in his eye and it was causing a bleed. So I found these swimming goggles that actually sit outside the eye socket and they're made in Italy and they're fabulous. And I just love them. So I got those as well. And then as also previously mentioned, my son is, like most little boys, good at breaking stuff. So then I started trying to find sunglasses that are really, really, really hard. So then I found the Baby Aiders brand and they are incredibly flexible. They have a loss and a replacement warranty and you just pay for postage after you register them. And I've done that because it happens like most parents, I'm sure everybody knows that kids are good at losing stuff. Mm -hmm. So that and then the baby bants sunglasses with the straps. And they're actually way more comfortable now than when my kids were babies because they've actually put some more padding in back here because they used to be a bit hard on their noses, but they're so much more comfortable. And they come in two different sizes. So if you're finding your baby toddler, still doesn't like keeping anything on their face when they're two-ish, you can get the slightly bigger size. But yeah, so the Baby Ada brand sunglasses, they do baby to about 12 years. Yeah, so. Fantastic. 
short version. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that sounds awesome. So just before we wrap it up, what is the name of the website? So if anyone is interested in looking further at those products, what's the name of your website, Emma? It's childrensafetyglasses.com.au. Childrensafetyglasses.com.au. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Emma, just as a final you know, take-home message, is there any kind of key thing that you want to say to our listeners before we sign off? I would really, really, really appreciate if people would just put sunglasses on their children. Even just that one simple thing would, it can protect them from cataracts and macular degeneration and so forth. It's just, just that simple thing. If you could just get your kids wearing sunglasses regularly. Fantastic. A really big step in the right direction. Fantastic. And I think that's one that does not sound too daunting, I've got to say. So (laughs) that's a good take-home message for our listeners who, you know, as parents, many of them are parents and some professionals, but, you know, we don't want too much on our to-do list. And that sounds pretty feasible. So thank you, Emma, so much. It's been an awesome chat today. And I've learned quite a lot and I'm sure our listeners have as well. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it a great deal. And that was my chat with Emma Richards, a passionate advocate for children's vision and eye health. And she certainly did share a wealth of knowledge there. Coming up next episode, I'm extending the focus when we look at vision and eyes, but I'm really going to be looking at learning difficulties and looking at vision and understanding it from a holistic point of view. And to help me have that discussion and chat, I'll be looking at a chat with behavioral optometrist, Amy Fortescue. She's Sydney based and she absolutely loves what she does. And she has a lot of valuable information to share with us when we look at vision and eyes from a very holistic point of view. So make sure that you tune in to our next episode. If you did enjoy today's episode, please leave a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe and to share this episode with family, friends and colleagues that you know will find it of value. I celebrate you. Take care and chat soon. Thanks for joining the Chat About Children with Sonia Vestelich. www.chataboutchildren.com.